Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Thursday, November 28th. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh my gosh. Uh, it is very early on the West Coast where I live. And uh, man, I am <laughs> I'm so excited for today. I got a great plan today. Today, this morning, right now, it's very early in the morning. I'm recording Strong Opinion Sports. Then I'm going to go to my family's house. I'm going to go chill. I'm going to go watch football. And I'm going to prepare and keep preparing Ask Zach. Tonight, I'm recording Ask Zach Episode 1. It's a Patreon-supported episode. I'll answer all the questions from Patreon, as many as I can. Uh, so far, I got a bunch compiled already. It's awesome. I like cannot wait for that episode. I'm recording that after dinner, after family dinner tonight. Uh, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a great Thanksgiving. I am personally, th- you know, people are like, a lot of people are like, well, Zach, why are you working on Thanksgiving? Why are you doing Because like, I love it. I love my job. And I'll be honest, I really think that a lot of people are taking the day off. For me, I'm like, no. I, to me, this isn't work. This is my passion, my dream. This is what I love to do. Um, if it gives me an edge on competitors, great. Uh, but really, I'm, I'm recording today because this is what I want to do. I want to talk about college football. I want to talk about the NBA. I want to talk about stuff. I enjoy my job. It's the best thing in the world. And so I'm happy to be here. I hope you're having a great day. I want to start today with this. There is a narrative I have noticed recently among New York Giants fans that Giants fans want their team to fire their head coach, Pat Shermer. And uh, to me, I go, no way. Like, you're, you're an idiot. I think, I think that uh, New York sports fans are historically very impatient. I understand. There's a good argument to be made if you want to. You say, well, the Giants are 2-9, and nine, and they went 5-11 and 11 last year. And Pat Shermer, is he the guy? Is he, is he great? I don't know. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, our quarterback, Daniel Jones, is struggling. And to that, I would strongly counter that and say, well, Daniel Jones is a rookie quarterback. Pretty much all rookie quarterbacks struggle at first. It, I literally made a video at the beginning of the year saying Daniel Jones has a lot of potential. It's going to take him time to figure things out. And I know a lot of Giants fans are going to comment, there's other problems, ah, la, la. I think, honestly, figure out the offensive line. You're mediocre right now on the offensive line. Build a defensive line. Give your quarterback time to progress. That's a winning football team. Just give it time. Have a little bit of patience. In my opinion, you give Pat Shermer at least one more year. He drafted his quarterback. His quarterback is taking time and developing. Just relax. You're so impatient in New York, and I don't blame you. You want to win games. I understand. I think in New York, you got to give it a little bit of time. Remember last year, the Giants went 5-11. and They had an old quarterback, Eli Manning. They had a really bad offensive line who was terrible. They had all kinds of problems. Odell Beckham Jr. was making noise. There's a bunch of drama around the Giants last year. It's just going to take time to build a culture and change things. Now, one thing that drives me nuts a lot of anti-Pat Shermer people say that, well, look at his career coaching record. He's 17 and 43 all time as a head coach. <laughs> and I, oh man, I get it. A lot of, a lot of Browns fans and people chiming, chiming in and saying that as well. Look at the past with Pat Shermer. He did really well as the offensive coordinator for the St. Louis Rams at the time in the past. That led him to take a job as a Cleveland Browns head coach. If you're listening to the show and you didn't know where he coached before, that should be a red flag. Oh, oh, he's had a bad coaching career so far. He was a coach of the Browns? Oh, that explains everything. It does. <laughs> he coached for a bad organization. He coached there for two years. His first year, he went 4-12. and 12. His second year, he went 5-11. and 11. He actually got better his second year. 
the Browns are a terrible organization. And here's the kicker to me. This is what's really, really important. These are the quarterbacks Pat Shermer worked with in Cleveland. He worked with Colt McCoy, Seneca Wallace, a longtime Seattle Seahawks backup, and a 35-year-old washed-up Jake DeLome, who was never that great. He took his team to a Super Bowl one time, but Jake DeLome was not a great quarterback, and he was old. He started a lot of games. He was like, he had two touchdowns and seven interceptions. Jake DeLome was a mess. In my opinion, Pat Shermer's a good coach. Look what he did with the Vikings. With the Vikings and a good team, he made Case Keenum. Case Keenum, by the way, not a great quarterback. He got benched in favor of Dwayne Haskins this year. (laughs) Case Keenum. He made Case Keenum look good and led them to an NFC championship game. I don't know. I think Pat Shermer can coach. Now, you can argue if you want. I I can kind of see this if you say, well, Pat Shermer's made to be an offensive coordinator. He's not made to be a head coach. Okay, fair enough. I think, honestly, you have an argument there. I would give it one more year. Let's find out. If Pat Shermer makes progress next year with the Giants, I think you keep him. I think next year, you you can't have him draft a quarterback and then get rid of him after one season. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, He drafted his guy. Give him time to develop his guy. I think just have some patience. Look at teams like... The Ravens, historically, have been patient. It worked out. The Pittsburgh Steelers, historically, have been patient. A lot of people wanted to fire Bill Cowher years into his... They're like, this guy can't win. He's terrible. Bill Cowher won a Super Bowl in the end. Give a coach time. Be a little bit patient. I think it pays off. I really strongly believe it's too early to move on from Pat Shermer. I just don't understand. You can't judge him. You can't judge Pat Shermer on his overall coaching record. He failed in Cleveland. Bill Belichick at one point failed in Cleveland. Anybody fail? Almost everybody who coaches in Cleveland fails. I just, I think it's a different situation. The Cleveland Browns to the New York Giants. It's a, they're very different scenarios, and I don't think you can judge Pat Shermer on his past in Cleveland. Now, the Giants have a terrible record. Here's the, the positive in that. The Giants are probably going to have a top five pick in next year's NFL draft, maybe even a top three pick. That's phenomenal. You know how good a, a move that is? That allows them to draft probably, hopefully, Chase Young, the defensive end out of Ohio State. That'd be amazing. That'd be phenomenal. The other teams at the top are going to have to draft quarterbacks. The Giants are blessed. They have their quarterback situation figured out. They don't need to draft a quarterback. They can focus on, hey, we got to build our offensive line and our defensive line. Right now, their offensive line is not terrible. They're also not great. I think they could really use another player or two. They're mediocre, in my opinion. If If I'm the general manager of the Giants, here's what I would do. I know I'm not. But my philosophy is build your offensive line. Well, get a quarterback and build your offensive line and your defensive line. Look at what the the 49ers have done. Over and over again, they draft a defensive lineman. They build a team. A defensive line can make a defense look really good, really fast. An offensive line can make a a quarterback like Jacoby Brissett, who's not special, win games with the Indianapolis Colts. If I'm the Giants for the next three or four years, I draft really boring draft picks. CeeDee Lamb's out there. This star's out there. That star's out there. Draft offensive linemen. I know Dave Gettleman already picked Saquon Barkley instead of Quinton Nelson. We've seen a history. Maybe they won't do that. But if I'm the Giants, I say, look, you got a great running back, Saquon Barkley. You got a good quarterback who I think is growing and just needs time, Daniel Jones. Now support them. Get a better offensive line. Keep drafting offensive linemen. And then draft defensive linemen. If the Giants can draft Chase Young and then follow it up the next year with another defensive lineman, oh my gosh, that's scary. That's horrifying. Chase Young? Or if you can sign somebody in free go get Eric Armstead in free agency. Do something, right? If the Giants can build their defensive line and build their offensive line, that's the key to them winning. Um, I think firing Pat Shermer now 
is just too early. I wouldn't do it. Um, he got his quarterback. Give him one more year. And I think if you give him one more year, special things can happen. I know it's messy this year. They're 2-9. and nine. They're not having a good year. There are a lot of reasons for Giants fans to be frustrated watching games. I get it. But I think as an organization, you got to go, <sighs> okay, it's not going well. Let's just be patient a little bit. Give it one more year for Pat Shermer to try to figure things out and make some progress as the head coach of the New York Giants. Uh, there's a cool story I want to share. This will not be a video breakout. It's a podcast exclusive, we'll call it. Um, Greg Roman, this is a fun story to me. Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. He's kind of the genius mastermind behind embracing Lamar Jackson and building an offense around him. And the history of Greg Roman's career is really, really cool. He used to work with Colin Kaepernick. He used to be the offensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. Here's what's the coolest part to me. The 49ers head coach was Jim Harbaugh. He did well. They, they won. They got to a Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick. They built an offense. They used his ability to run really well. They were smart and designed a good offense. Jim Harbaugh left. He went to Michigan. And guess who's coaching with the Harbaugh brother now? Greg Roman left Jim Harbaugh. He's now coaching with John Harbaugh in Baltimore. He went from one brother to the other. And John Harbaugh said, look, I really liked his body of work with the 49ers. We brought him over. They elevated him eventually to offensive coordinator. He's doing really well with the Baltimore Ravens. And I just thought that little tidbit of information is cool. As we're going into a game where the Ravens are about to play the 49ers on Sunday and the history of, hey, Greg Roman used to be the 49ers offensive coordinator. He's done this exact same thing before with Colin Kaepernick, uh, building an offense around a quarterback's ability to run so, to some degree. Uh, I think he's doing it to a better degree and to a larger degree with the Ravens, but it's fun to watch. And the history, the links between two brothers, Jim Harbaugh saying, hey, this guy Greg Roman knows what he's doing. You should hire him. And Baltimore Ravens head coach John Harbaugh going, yeah, I like him. I'll bring him on. To me, that's really cool. And I just wanted to share that tiny little story um, of Greg Roman's history. All right, uh, here's the question. Do we talk about college football games going into this weekend, or uh, I'll tease something first. In just a minute, we are going to talk about Anthony Gordon, the quarterback of Washington State University. A lot of people send me messages, Anthony Gordon, he's so great. But before we do that, there are eight college football games this weekend I'm excited to watch and excited to follow. Uh, first on Friday, there are two good games, in my opinion. I know I'm, I'm from Washington State. I get it. But I do think this game is interesting. It's called the Apple Cup. It's between Washington State and the University of Washington. It's at Washington. The reason why it's fun to watch is Jacob Eason is the quarterback for Washington. He's a potential first-round pick at quarterback. People really like him. I think he's got some polish issues. But if you want to watch quarterback play, watch this game, the Apple Cup, because you have Jacob Eason for Washington and Anthony Gordon the quarterback for Washington State, who's prolific. He's going to throw for 5,000 yards. He's going to break that record and break that mark in this game against Washington. Going to be really fun. Now, here's the interesting storyline to me. Washington has won the last six games. Washington, University of Washington in Seattle has won the last six Apple Cups. And their head coach, Chris Peterson, has never lost an Apple Cup. <laughs> it's wild to me. I put my money... I think Washington is the superior program. UW is a better program. They're going to win. They're better up front in this game. I think they win on, sun, on Friday, tomorrow. But I think you should watch it. I think it's going to be a fun game. They're not, neither team is ranked, but it's interesting. And I, I think even though I'm from Washington State, I went to Washington State. I'm not a homer. I've been really critical of Washington State at times. I still think this game is a fun game to watch. I think Washington, UW, is going to beat Washington State. Now, on Friday night, there's an even better game. With, with higher stakes, it's really fun. 
Number 19, Cincinnati plays number 18, Memphis, at Memphis. Two ranked teams are in the same conference. This game has really, really interesting ramifications. Both teams are 10-1, and one, but Cincinnati is undefeated in their conference, whereas Memphis is 6-1. and one. Cincinnati 7-0 in their conference. Memphis is 6-1. and one. If Memphis wins this game, then next week we'll get a rematch in the American Conference. American, the AAC is the conference they play in. And if Memphis wins the game on Friday night, then the following week they will rematch in their conference championship. Now, if Cincinnati wins, then Memphis has to rely on Navy losing. If Navy loses, then Memphis gets into the championship anyways. But it's very interesting. Memphis is playing. If they win, they play again for the conference championship. If Cincinnati loot wins, then Memphis's fate rests on the fate of what Navy does on Saturday. Really interesting to me. Um, I think you're going to, if you watch this game, I, I recommend it actually. If you're, if you're free on Friday night, I think this game is going to be phenomenal. Back and forth, dramatic, fun football with two ranked teams. I really like Luke Fickle, the head coach of Cincinnati. Hit their only loss at Cincinnati, by the way. They lost to Ohio State, the number one team in the nation. I don't blame them there. Cincinnati's a really good football team. Uh, and, and oddly enough, they're ranked behind Memphis, which is really weird to me. I think you should watch Cincinnati at Memphis on Friday night. Going to be a great football game. Now on Saturday, first of all, we have number one Ohio State at number 13 Michigan. Oh my goodness. Uh, Ohio State's undefeated. Michigan is 9-2. and two. They struggled early. They've really bounced back and put together a great year. I think it's possible Michigan wins this game. Pay attention to this game. Uh, Ohio State's quarterback, Justin Fields, his left hand is injured. He fumbled a couple times last week. They, they struggled, quote-unquote. They, they only beat Penn State by 11 points. But it was the first time we've seen Ohio State have any kind of weakness was last weekend against Penn State. I, if I'm you, I, I watch Ohio State-Michigan. It's at Michigan, at the big house. It's going to be really fun. Uh, watch Ohio State at Michigan. Now, number five, Alabama at number 15, Auburn at Auburn. Oh, man. Here's the question for this game to me. Can, you know, how good is Alabama's backup quarterback, Mac Jones? He got elevated to the starter because Tua got hurt. Oh, my gosh. I can't, the one thing I can't wait to watch. It's going to be a good football game. I like good football. But really, the key to me is how good is Mac Jones? Can he beat Auburn? Can he make big-time throws downfield? And if Alabama somehow does get elevated to the number four spot, and makes it into the college football playoff, how good is Mac Jones? Can he beat? Can he win a game? Can he play well in a college football playoff game? His audition is Saturday against Auburn. We also have number 12, Wisconsin, excuse me, number 12, Wisconsin, at number eight, Minnesota, the battle of the border. I lived in Minnesota for a while as a kid. There's always a fun rivalry between, literally people just talk crap about Wisconsin. If you live in Minnesota, oh, those dumb Wisconsinites. There's a fun rivalry between these two states. They're friendly. They're in the Midwest, but there is a real rivalry between these two states anyways. It's a border battle. Uh, Minnesota's got this great passing game. I love their quarterback, Tanner Morgan. Wisconsin's got a heavy running game. I love their running back, Jonathan Taylor. And it's going to be a fun battle. Basically, to me, the winner of this game is going to play for the Rose Bowl because the winner of this game advances to the Big Ten championship game. And then you'll play Ohio State. You'll likely get murdered. And then the loser of the Big Ten championship game will get lowered down into the Rose Bowl because Ohio State's going to advance onto the college football playoff. So to me, Minnesota, they're 7-1 and one in conference. Wisconsin is 6-2. and two. Watch this game. It's at Minnesota. The crowd's going to be crazy in, in the Twin Cities and uh, in Minneapolis. I cannot wait to watch. I'm excited to see what happens. I think Wisconsin, 
really could win this game. Uh, it's really going to matter how well, how much does the crowd show up? Do they do they help elevate their team the same way they did against Penn State earlier this year? Uh, if I'm you, man, there's so much good football on Saturday, man. Uh, you know, Auburn, Alabama, this game, another border battle, Wisconsin and Minnesota, Ohio State, Michigan, man, I'm just so pumped. Now, if you're a Bengals fan listening to this podcast, I recommend you watch Texas A&M at number two LSU. Watch to see potentially your future quarterback, Joe Burrow, face off against a pretty solid Texas A&M team and a solid Texas A&M defense. Um, I just, if you want to watch this game, the one reason to watch Texas A&M at LSU is because you want to watch probably a future Heisman winner and potential number one overall pick, Joe Burrow, play against a solid SEC defense. Now, the next game I want to talk about is number 23, Iowa State at Kansas State. Here's the thing. This is just a quality game. Uh, these are two quality programs. They're both seven and four. Uh, Iowa State's ranked their number 23 in the nation. I think it's just going to be a fun, close game. And if you love football and you, you're flipping through channels and Iowa State at Kansas State is on your TV and you want to watch a good, dramatic football game, I think you should watch this game. I think it's going to be close. It's going to be fun in the fourth quarter. I recommend watching Iowa State at Kansas State. Now, the final game of a weekend on, in college football that I'm interested in, Saturday night, number seven Oklahoma goes to Oklahoma State to play number 21, Oklahoma State. Oh, my goodness. This is Bedlam. That's what it's called. It's a gigantic rivalry game. You got Tua. Uh, you see, whoa, what am I talking about? You got Jalen Hurts, the quarterback of Oklahoma. He lo- I like his arm. He's really good running the football. You got a good rushing attack with Oklahoma. C.D. Lamb is coming back, their top receiver. And at Oklahoma State, you have Chuba Hubbard, who leads the nation in rushing. He can run like the Dickens. I think it's going to be a fun game. Really, rushing the football is going to be the key and really fun to watch. Um, it's a Saturday night game. I hope it's close in the fourth quarter. Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Bedlam. It's going to be fun, man. A lot of great games this weekend. I can't wait to watch them. And uh, we'll talk about them later down the road. I just am so excited for a wonderful weekend of college football. Okay. Uh, let's shift gears now. Let's talk about Anthony Gordon. I'm going to drink some water first. When you watch college football and you look from an NFL perspective, everybody is always looking for the next Tom Brady. Who is that one quarterback? Everybody seems to be overlooking. There's always, everyone's like looking for, where's that diamond in the rough? Where's the guy who's going to show up out of nowhere? Last year in the NFL draft, it was Washington State quarterback Gardner Minshew. I was a big believer of him. You can watch my, I did a film analysis of him in college. I said, this guy is going to be an NFL player. He's really good. I believe in him. I met Gardner Minshew. I was really close to the Washington State program. I worked there. I went to school there. I know Washington State pretty well. I've met the guys there. And I was a big believer in Gardner Minshew. Now, two years, two quarterbacks ago was Luke Falk. Didn't believe in him. Now, everybody's sending me messages. Anthony Gordon, Anthony Gordon. ah, ah, ah." Well, Anthony Gordon leads the nation in passing. He is 4,920 yards. That's pretty good. I mean, I, I can acknowledge, hey, dude, that's, you're killing it. That's amazing. Uh, you're gonna, he's going to pass 5,000 yards on Friday against the University of Washington. Um, and I can acknowledge that's phenomenal. And you look at Joe Burrow, who is the second leading passer in the nation. He has only 4,014 yards. So, you know, Anthony Gordon has almost 1,000 more yards than him. He just barely broke 4,000. Anthony Gordon is about to break 5,000. But here's the kicker. Here's the thing that nobody seems to acknowledge. Anthony Gordon has thrown the ball 585 times this year. Joe Burrow, how many times has Joe Burrow thrown the ball? 369. 
Anthony Gordon has more than 200 attempts throwing the ball more than the next leading passer in the nation. Anthony Gordon's stats are massively inflated because of the offense he runs. He plays for Mike Leach. He plays in the air raid offense. He throws about 60 to 70 times a game. There's a reason any quarterback who plays for Mike Leach and has any level of success is going to put up incredible numbers that are shocking and unbelievable. Luke Falk, I think, is the all-time leading passer in the Pac-12. He played in the air raid offense. There's a reason why Mike Leach quarterbacks put up tremendous numbers. It's how often and frequently they throw the ball. And if you succeed even a little bit in that offense, your numbers are going to be crazy. Historically, Mike Leach quarterbacks are written off because they tend to fail in the NFL. You know, Tim Couch failed. Graham Harrell, nada. Luke Falk, nothing. He's out of the league. He's probably not going to ever come back. There's only one quarterback that's ever had success from a Mike Leach offense. It's Gardner Minshew. Plays for the Jaguars. Did really well earlier this year. But here's the thing. Mike, you know, Gardner Minshew played for Mike Leach for one year. He also worked for, he played for four other teams. He was around a lot of other offenses. He worked, he did a five-step drop. He did a seven-step drop. He could work under center. He could play quarterback in more than just one system and play successfully. And Gardner Minshew is an incredible outlier. He's an amazing leader. He captivates a room. I've met Gardner Minshew. I've shaken his hand. He has so much presence. And he is a, just a different level of human above other guys. He's an incredible leader. I've met Anthony Gordon. He's just a guy. He probably doesn't remember me. I was working on the sideline for Fox Sports and Pac-12 Network, one of those, team, one of those networks. And Anthony Gordon's not doesn't have it. Is he Gardner Minshew or is he... Other Mike Leach quarterbacks. I think really comparing him to Gardner Minshew is unfair. He's not Gardner Minshew. And it's really funny to me how Mike Leach quarterbacks have always been really lowly. No one believes in them until one, one of them succeeds. Gardner Minshew goes, does really well. And suddenly like the whole narrative on Mike Leach quarterbacks has changed. Nothing's changed. <laughs> it's fool's gold. Fool's gold looks really, really valuable. Looks like the real deal. And you analyze it and you look closer and you go, Oh, that's not real. That's not valuable at all. It's fake. Anthony Gordon has incredible statistics. I acknowledge that. Man, he's playing well this year. He had a great victory over Oregon State the other day. I was like, this is awesome. He's fun to watch. I do. I, I can acknowledge all that. He's got impressive highlights, man. Oh, my gosh. But it's all a sham. First of all, look at Gord, Anthony Gordon's interceptions. Just watch him. They're awful. They're not good interceptions. A good interception is where, you know, the ball gets tipped up in the air. Or frankly, you know, you, you just, if a, a quarterback throws an interception because they miss a pass by six inches in college, look, I get it. That's, that's an okay. You made the right read. The ball's headed in the right direction. You just missed. Okay, fair enough. That's not how Anthony Gordon throws interceptions. Anthony Gordon's interceptions are bad decisions. They're misses. They're not good. He struggles heavily. Over the middle of the field. He doesn't see linebackers dropping. He doesn't see safeties coming down into coverage. He gets fooled a lot in the middle of the field. It's a gigantic red flag for Anthony Gordon. But here's the thing that, to me, just took him off the board. I said, okay, I'm, I'm not drafting Anthony Gordon. I'm not interested in him. I don't believe in him. It's his attitude. Watch, you know, I, I broadcasted Utah versus Washington State. I was at Utah in Salt Lake City, in the booth, and on the sideline, watching the football game. I was there. I saw everything Anthony Gordon did the entire game. I've now broadcasted two Washington State football games, both games. I watched Cal and I watched Utah. I've, I've been live watching Anthony Gordon twice now this year. I've seen it more than anybody out there. How many people have gone to Washington State football games that, that analyze quarterbacks? I'm the only one probably in the country that's watched him play live twice. That's two, not three. 
I lost all faith in Anthony Gordon watching him against Utah. When things got difficult, he gave up. He gave up. He wilted. When adversity hits you, you either hit it back or you wilt. And Anthony Gordon wilted against Utah. Things got hard. His team was losing by a little bit. And he just gave up. He was quiet. He was sullen. He was alone on the sideline. You know what he didn't do? The difference between Anthony Gordon and Gardner Minshew is Gardner Minshew. Let's go. He's firing his teammates up. He's high-fiving guys. They're losing. He's still fighting. He's there. He's encouraging. Anthony Gordon is not that. Watch the Utah game. He's not encouraging anybody. He's alone. He's sullen. He's quiet on the sideline. I will never, ever get over that. That's your lowest point. That's awful. You're not going to succeed in the NFL if that's how your leadership operates. He gave up. That's not a guy who can get through adversity when things are... And the NFL does not have time for that. (laughs) The NFL just moves right along. Anthony Gordon's not the next Tom Brady. Tom Brady can fight through adversity. He did. That's his whole career. That's his story of his career. Stop the comparisons between Gardner Minshew and Anthony Gordon. He's not. He throws a good ball. Anthony Gordon's fun to watch. He throws a great football. He's got a great deep ball down the, right, down the sidelines. But he's not a franchise quarterback. He struggles in the middle of the field. He gets fooled often by defenses. And man, you know, he'll get a shot in the NFL, but I have no faith. He has the attitude and the grit deep in his heart to get through adversity and succeed in the NFL. It's too hard. It's not going to happen for him. Anthony Gordon is fool's gold. I don't believe in him. I'm not a supporter. I, I, look, I hope he does well. I hope I'm dead wrong. If I am a year from now, I'll acknowledge it, right? If, two, if, if three years from now, Anthony Gordon's a franchise quarterback starting for some team, hey, I'll shut up. I'll acknowledge I was wrong. But I've been around him a lot. I've met him. I've watched him play live. He's not an NFL franchise quarterback. I don't think he's going to succeed in the NFL. He'll go to shot. He'll get a workout, absolutely. He might even be drafted. But that doesn't mean anything. He's a typical Mike Leach quarterback. He's fool's gold. The stats look amazing. He's fun to watch. But the reality is he's not a franchise NFL quarterback. He's not Gardner Minshew. He's more like Luke Falk, who's now out of the league and probably won't ever come back. I do not believe in Anthony Gordon. Sorry, dude. I, look, if you're watching this, I mean, no offense, man. I'm sorry. I, I hate doing this. But what I see, my analysis is Anthony Gordon is not going to succeed at the NFL level. Hope you prove me wrong. I really do. I just, that's my belief. It's hard. It's hard to be tough on guys like that. You know, it's, um, it's inherently personal because, you know, if someone says Zach Schaumler is going to fail as a broadcaster, you're dang right. That hurts me. I don't like that. It makes me dig deep inside and fight harder. And I, I hope Anthony Gordon does the same thing. Um, it, it just, that's my, that's the nature of my job is making predictions saying, will this guy succeed or will this guy fail? I think he's going to fail, um, but I don't, you know, I hope I'm wrong. That's, that's the job. You make predictions. I think a lot of people think I'm going to fail as a broadcaster, and I, people think I've ha- I was going to fail, and I, I proved some people wrong so far, and I got a long way left to go. I just got to keep working and keep trying to get better, um, but that's the nature of this business is people say, is he good or not? My thing is, he's not. All right. Um, I find the NBA really hard to follow and hard to cover at times. Uh, there's like 10 games every single day. And by the time you like go, okay, what happened in these 10 games? There's another 10 the next day. And you just, it's hard to keep up, in my opinion. And so here's my answer to that. Here's how I'm going to follow the NBA this year uh, through February. Once February hits and the NFL is over, then we'll start following the NBA a little bit differently. But for the next you know, couple months, once a week, I'm going to check in on the NBA. How, what's going on in the NBA? I'll try to do it every Wednesday night. I'll wait till the games are over, then record a podcast like at 11 o'clock at night. It'll come out on Thursday morning. Uh, currently it's Thanksgiving. There's no games today. Thank goodness. So, okay. Uh, I can take a break and what's going on in the NBA. We've played about 18 games so far in the NBA season. 
And if the playoffs started today, here's how the Eastern Conference playoffs would shake out. The number one seed would be the Milwaukee Bucks. They're 15-3. and three. Number two, you have the Boston Celtics. They're 13-4. and four. The Raptors are also 13-4. and four. The Miami Heat, number four, they're 12-5. and five. The 76ers are 12-6. and six. The Pacers are 11-6. and six. The Brooklyn Nets are 9-9. Nine and nine. And the number eight seed right now, if the playoffs started today, would be the Orlando Magic at 7-10. and 10. Here's what's interesting to me. Uh, last in the NBA Eastern Conference are the New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks. They are 4-14. and 14. We'll get into them in a minute. But first, I want to say that I feel really sad for the Washington Wizards. I do. Uh, they're 6-10. and 10. They're ninth in the East. They're like on the cusp of being a playoff team. And man, Bradley Beal, they just signed him into a big contract. He had, he's averaging 30 points a game. He's playing phenomenal. Um, but they have no John Wall. You know, they're a star player. They pay John Wall $38 million a year. He tore his Achilles last year. He missed the rest of last year after December. Uh, he's not going to play at all this year. And by the time he comes back next year, John Wall will be 30 years old. He's making $38 million a year to do nothing. And I think it's, cripple, it's crippling the, the Wizards. And I feel bad for them. I, I really think that it's sad that you know, John Wall's career has never been what I, I really kind of wanted it to be as a number one overall pick. And just never really, he's been solid, just never really delivered. And uh, I think it's crippling that, Warriors, that, that Wizards franchise, excuse me. And uh, it's just sad because they're a team that's on the cusp. They just need one more star player and their star player is missing time. And I don't know that he's going to return the same. He, he tore his Achilles, which is hard to return from. He's getting older. He's over 30. He'll be over 30 by the time he uh, comes back. Disappointing for the Wizards. Now, the top five teams, top five leading scorers, excuse me. These are the top five leading scorers right now in the NBA. You have James Harden scoring 37 points per game. Number two, you have Giannis, who's got 31 points per game. That's awesome. Uh, his team is number one in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks. I, 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 just, you know, I hope it stays that way. I'm curious if Giannis can take his team even farther this year. But hey, good for him. That's awesome. Uh, the third leading scorer is the big surprise to me that I, I want to get into in a minute. It's Luka Doncic. He's, got, he's averaging 30 points per game. Awesome, man. I really have enjoyed watching him this year. Uh, the fourth leading scorer is Bradley Beal. He's got 29 points per game. And then Damian Lillard with the Portland Trailblazers is averaging 27 points per game. Those are the five leading scorers right now in the NBA. I want to talk, though. We'll get into all those guys and talk about their years and how it's going. It's funny seeing the Atlanta Hawks uh, struggle. <laughs> They're 4-14. Four and 14. They're last in the Eastern Conference. And, uh, you know, it's really, really funny, especially because you're watching the Hawks struggle while the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic are thriving. The Hawks drafted Luka, and then they traded him away for Trey Young. Now, Trey Young is doing great. Trey Young's phenomenal. He's averaging 26 points per game. That makes me incredibly happy. I've always wanted Trey Young to, to, to succeed. Uh, the team around him, though, isn't very good. Now, what's weird is Trey Young's good. Like, probably going to be an—he's going to be an all-star. Like, we can all acknowledge he's going to be a superstar in the making. But the even bigger star right now is Luka Doncic. And <laughs> he looks like not just—you know, all my friends that play college basketball are saying Trey Young's good. Luka is, like, generational next-level talent. He's phenomenal. He's 20 years old. He's third in the league in points per game. He's averaging— you know, what is, he, what is that I said a minute ago? He's averaging uh, 30 points per game, Luka is. That's unbelievable. And here's what's funny. The Hawks drafted Luka number three overall, then traded him to the Dallas Mavericks. They had him in their, they had him on their team. They drafted him. And they didn't believe in him. They traded him away for Trey Young. Don't blame him. Trey Young has been great. But man, it's just funny that the Hawks had him. They're last in the Eastern Conference, and they had one of the best young players in the league on their team and decided to move on from him. 
Now, the other worst team in the Eastern Conference, you have the Hawks at 4-14 and and the New York Knicks at 4-14. and They also had Luka's co-star, Kristaps Porzingis, on their team. It's really cool how the Dallas Mavericks have been built. They traded for Luka. They traded for Kristaps. Um, now, the Knicks got a haul for Kristaps. Porzingis got two first-round picks. They got Dennis Smith Jr. They got DeAndre Jordan. Uh, and Kristaps had injury concerns. He really, in fact, right now, his status is day-to-day. I, I don't blame the Knicks for saying we don't really believe in Kristaps because we don't, we, don't, we, we don't know he's that big of a star. He's, he's had injury problems. We don't want to deal with it. Um, and right now he's only averaging, I say only, you know, still solid, 18 points per game. But again, all my friends that played college basketball at, that watched uh, Christoph Porzingis say, yeah, the Knicks were wrong. You know, they, they missed out on a guy. They didn't see his potential, and the potential's there. And so it's just interesting to me that, you know, the Mavericks have these two young stars, Kristaps and Luka. And the teams that traded those players away are both 4 and 14 right now. It's just interesting to me. It's a funny storyline to follow. Now, I think the Hawks are in a good shape, uh, the good position for the future. They have Trey Young. They got to build around Trey Young. Uh, it's not, it's not Trey Young's fault that his team is 4 and 14. But I just thought, hey, that's a funny number that's interesting. I want to talk about that. Now, the Boston Celtics are 13 and 4. Their star point guard from last year, Kyrie Irving, went to the Brooklyn Nets. He said, I'm done. I'm leaving. On Wednesday, the Boston Celtics beat the Nets 121 to 110. Bam. They said, hey, we won. (laughs) You took Kyrie. Kyrie, by the way, didn't play. He has a shoulder injury. He's out. And even more fun is the Celtics replacement point guard, Kemba Walker, the guy that replaced Kyrie Irving, had 39 points against Kyrie's new team, and Kyrie didn't play. Uh, to me, that's just a fun rivalry between the Nets and the Celtics. I just want to—it's New York and Boston. It's just cool to me. I can't wait to watch how that rivalry develops throughout the year. Kyrie versus Boston, New York versus Boston, Boston versus New York. That's, that's a to me like if you're if you're a love a lover of stories, man. That's a story that's phenomenal that I just think is great and really fun to follow. Now, here's an interesting little tidbit: former 76er Jimmy Butler criticized his former teammates recently. Jimmy Butler said some of his former teammates didn't work as hard as him. He questions their reason for playing. Look, I get it. Some guys just want a paycheck. Hey, man, you want to get paid? Great, do it. But Jimmy Butler said not everyone on the Philadelphia 76ers when he played there shared the team's goal of winning a championship. Here's what's great now. The sweet irony of it. Jimmy Butler now plays for the Miami Heat. His team is 12-5. and Right now they're fourth in the Eastern Conference. I don't know if that'll stay that way. But the 76ers are behind the Heat. They're behind Jimmy Butler with a better roster, by the way. They're 12 and 6. Jimmy Butler's fourth. The 76ers are fifth. Jimmy Butler's played one fewer game, so who knows if they'll, they might be both 12 and 6 in the uh, next day. But right now, it's just funny to watch. Huh. And the 76ers, man, they have a ton of stars Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Al Horford, Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson. Star player after star player, five, they're all, all five of their players, starting five, are just star players. They're incredible. On, on paper, man, they're unbelievable. And I know we're only 17, 18 games into the year, but still, the expectations for the 76ers should be that they're going to be the top spot in the Eastern Conference. They're fifth right now, and right now they're underachieving. They're not doing what everyone believes they should be doing. So if you're a 76ers fan, I, who knows? We're, only, we're at the beginning of the year. There's plenty of time for them to, to correct things and get back to the top. But right now, they're a team that should be at the top of their conference, and they're not. Now, here's the, alter, the other perspective on that. You can say, well, the 76ers are underachieving. Well, again, you would say it's the beginning of the year. 
And it's five stars who've never played together before, really, coming together and learning how to win together. Okay, fine. I think Al Horford's a great leader in that locker room. Uh, Josh Richardson brings really good defense. I am curious to see how the 76ers team evolves. We're going to do every week check-in with the NBA. What happens with the 76ers? Will they start raising up in the standings throughout the year? Every week we'll check in, and I'm hoping and curious to see. Do the 76ers slowly and steadily move up with their spot in the Eastern Conference? That's what I'm excited to watch. Now, if the playoffs started today, the Western Conference would look like this. The number one seed right now would be the LA Lakers. They're 16-2. and two. Wow. They're followed by the Nuggets, who are 13-3. and three. The Clippers are 14-5. and five. The Rockets are 12-6. and six. The Dallas Mavericks are 11-6. They're number six. Utah Jazz, excuse me, the Dallas Mavericks are number five at 11-6. and six. The Utah Jazz would be the sixth seed at 11-7. The Minnesota Timberwolves are 10-6, and 10-8. They're the number seven seed. And the number eight seed, interestingly enough, would be the Phoenix Suns at eight and nine. Um, man, the Phoenix Suns are an interesting young team, in my opinion. They have Ricky Rubio, Devin Booker, Kelly Oubre Jr. And uh, they're seeded in the playoffs right now. The playoffs started today. And they haven't had their young star top pick DeAndre Ayton all year. DeAndre Ayton played one year this year, one game this year, excuse me. And then got in trouble for diuretics, which is usually something people use to make their pee differently uh, to pass a drug test. So DeAndre Ayton was suspended for 25 games. Now, personally, here's my weird, I think, opinion on this is that I think a 25-game suspension for a rookie player, like it hurts, right? But also I think it's a blessing in disguise because going from college basketball and then elevating to the NBA, you you, you add 50 games a year to your legs. In college, you play 32 games a year. In the NBA, you play 82 games a year. That's hard on your knees and your joints. You're going every single night. You're flying to new places. Man, that's tough. And um, I think missing 25 games for a rookie, like center, DeAndre Aiden, I think that's honestly a blessing in disguise for their team. Uh, He'll show up fresh later in the year. That's really weirdly, but I think great for their team. He'll, He'll come back fresh. He'll be good. Now, here's what's interesting. In his one game he played this year, he had 18 points and 11 rebounds. The dude can play. He played in 33 minutes. Man, DeAndre Ayton's can ball. He's there, and I think he'll come back later, be fresh. He'll add to that roster and make them even better. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, they're a young team. They're building something. They're not great. They're 8-9. and nine. They're not, like, amazing. But right now, they're the eighth seed in the Western Conference, and they're a rising team. I'm, I'm curious to watch how they fare throughout the rest of this year. Now, the Trailblazers, it's wild. They're 7-12. and 12. Right now, the Trailblazers, if the year started today, the Blazers wouldn't even make the Western Conference playoffs. Zach Collins got hurt. A hurt Yusuf Nurkic got hurt. Um, and they were so desperate, they actually signed Carmelo Anthony, who's honestly been fun to watch. Carmelo Anthony, the other on Monday, he had 25 points against Chicago. On Wednesday, he had 19 points against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Carmelo Anthony's not a star player. But in my opinion, you watch, the dude can still contribute 18 points a night He's not bad. He's solid. And he's really brought an interesting flair to that team. But here's the reality. It feels to me like Damian Lillard, the star of the Portland Trailblazers. He's, he's the fifth leading scorer in the NBA right now. It feels to me like he's wasting the prime of his career in Portland. Now, you can never, ever accuse me of being a homer. I just made a topic where I said, Anthony Gordon, the quarterback at my former college where I went to school, is not giving an NFL quarterback. And now I'm saying Damian Lillard should leave Portland. I live in the Portland metro area. Never, ever, 
ever accuse me of fandom or having a bias. I don't. I don't care. I love players. I love storylines. In my opinion, Damian Lillard should leave Portland. It pains me every year to watch a good player who I like, who's a good leader, struggle and not to, to underachieve every year when he, I really wish he'd be playing with a better group of players. I want to see Damian Lillard leave Portland. Go to a better team. Go get help. Go play at a better franchise. Portland is great for Lillard. They love him. It's, it's cool, but I really think Damian Lillard underachieves every single year because he's in Portland. And it just, it just makes me sad. He's embraced the city. He loves them. They love him. But I really think Damian Lillard is wasting the prime of his career staying with the Portland Trailblazers, and it just makes my heart sad. Now, the Lakers are 16-2. and two. They're number one in the West, and LeBron is going for it, man. Uh, in November, so far, he's been playing really, really hard. And it's weird because usually LeBron James kind of, um, he conserves his energy throughout the year and turns it up leading into the playoffs. No, no, he's been going really hard. Uh, you know, there are only two losses of the year for the Lakers. They lost to the Clippers in the first game of the year, and later down the road, they lost to the Raptors. Um, Anthony Davis is averaging 26 points per game. LeBron James is averaging 25. Both are top two uh, in rebounds on their team. And uh, oddly enough, man, I, I think that uh, part of why the LeBron James is slowing down, or excuse me, it's accelerating and playing so hard is because the Clippers are 14-5. and five, They're number three in the West. And, you know, the, the Clippers are two and a half games behind the Lakers in the Western Conference. And they had Paul George out for a while. I think LeBron James said, well, Paul George is out we're going to just extend that lead. I'm going to play really hard. We're going to get to a good spot. I think LeBron James is aware enough to say, hey, well, Paul George is out. We got to be the best team in LA, the most interesting, best team in Los Angeles. That to me is what LeBron James is doing. Now, the Clippers are only third in the West and they just got Paul George back. I think if you give the Clippers a little bit of time, you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George learning how to play together. They're at some point, I think, going to climb to the top of the Western Conference. And the Battle of LA... LeBron at the top, the Clippers at third. Their battle is a they're neck and neck between you know with each other. Um, I just am so excited to watch. And throughout the weeks, we'll check in every week what happens between the Lakers and the Clippers and their their battle with each other. Um, I really think it's just going to take a little bit of time, but eventually, I think the Clippers are going to be challenging the Lakers at that top uh, top spot. Now, oddly enough, the Golden State Warriors are the worst team in the NBA right now. They're 14 and they're four, excuse me, the, the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors are four and 15. There's a reason for this. If you haven't been following the NBA, uh, if you are an NBA fan, you know all this stuff. Uh, but Clay Thompson's out for the year with a torn ACL. And Steph Curry has a broken hand. He's going to miss significant time the next couple months. He might, they might just say scratch him for the rest of the year. Um, here's what's interesting. The Warriors right now, if they get a top pick going into next year, if the Warriors have the top a top three pick in the NBA draft. They get a great player. And then you add Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, not to mention <laughs> other, the people they already have. Oh my gosh. Um, I, think, I think, man, the Warriors are getting prepared to make a gigantic comeback and really succeed down the road in the future. So um, I just think keep your eye on the Golden State Warriors next year. They're gonna, they're gonna, I think they're kind of tanking this year. They're not really trying to win. Uh, they're gonna. I think we'll really know that if they say Steph is out for the rest of the year. Really, he could be back in in March. If they say Steph's done for the year. They're saying we are gonna get a top pick in the draft and then return with Steph, Clay, and a top pick. Not to mention uh, D'Angelo Russell. Uh, man, I think that and uh, Draymond Green if he stays. Um, man, I really, really am excited to watch the future of the Warriors. They're out this year. They're scratched. It's funny how they went from the top to the complete bottom. 
But they're not done forever. They're going to get ba- back to where I think they were at one point and be competitive. So keep your eye on the Golden State Warriors and what they do the rest of this year as they hopefully, if you're a Warriors fan, hopefully the Warriors lose a ton this year and get a top pick for next year's NBA draft. Now, um, the one team I haven't followed this year is the New Orleans Pelicans. Haven't really watched them, don't know what's going on. I'm curious for next week. How are the Pelicans doing? What's going on? If you're listening to this, please let me know. What, what storylines in the NBA are you passionate about? What do you care about? What's your team doing? Let me know what's going on with your NBA team and what do you care about in the NBA season so far? Um, and, and just tell me what, what storylines you're passionate about, guys. I'm curious, and uh, that's my first check-in to the NBA season. And uh, I'm going to do a weekly update every week. What's going on in the NBA? Uh, guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in to Strong Opinion Sports. The last thing I have for you guys today is that if you're struggling, please go get help. Uh, three years ago, my younger brother took his life. He committed suicide, and it was awful. And days like today, Thanksgiving are hard without your loved ones and your relatives. And uh, uh, I think it, I've, I've reached a point in my life where I look back on my brother and I say, man, I'm glad for the time we had together, which is a big moment. It took me a long time to get there. But if you lost a loved one recently... Um, I, I know what that's like, man. And you're just going to cry. You, you, if your brother died recently, your mom died, your dad, died, whatever it is, just accept it's, it's hard and it's okay to cry. And it's okay to be like, look, I'm not okay this holiday. And for holidays for me, it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I'm, I'm able to say, I, I miss my brother, uh, but I'm, I'm glad for the time we had. You know, it takes a long time to get there. And so I understand if, you're, if it's a holiday for you and you lost someone or you have trouble with your family, it's okay to grieve and be sad. I want to acknowledge that and encourage that. Now, suicide's a big deal to me. Um, there are two important lessons I learned from my brother's death. Number one is that my brother never shared his struggles. No one had any idea he was having a hard time. And so the suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. I encourage you, if you're struggling, go get help. Go talk to somebody. Go reach out to somebody. Um, it's really important, man. I know how hard days like today, Thanksgiving are. And if you're struggling, man, reach out to somebody. Now, here's the other really important day. You're going to be around family today. You're going to talk to people. You're going to see people. Make sure the people in your life know how much you love them. Maybe you're listening to this. You know, Thanksgiving, I don't blame anybody if they're not listening to this till Friday morning. And you just saw a bunch of family yesterday. Just send them a text. Hey, I'm thinking about you. I care about you. It was good to see you yesterday. I love you. Just tell the people in your life how much you love them and how much you care about them. It goes a long way. I wish I'd done a better job talking to my brother and telling him I loved him. I saw my brother all the time. We worked together. We had a Halo night once a week. And my brother and I never really had in-depth, deeper conversations. We just talked about video games and girls and movies. And um, I should have said, hey, man, how are you doing? He went through a breakup recently, and I, I never really opened the door to have a more in-depth conversation. So I encourage you, if you're listening, don't be afraid to have deeper conversations about life, about more than just movies and video games and sports. Don't be afraid to have a little more depth to your conversations. I encourage that tremendously. And tell the people in your life, you love them. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Hope you're having a great day. We'll do Ask Zach later tonight. I can't wait for that. It's going to be really, really fun. And uh, thank you so much. I love you guys. And have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. Happy Thanksgiving.